EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University. Welcome to the EU Futures Podcast, exploring the emerging future in Europe. Today is February 26, and Dr. Hannah Thompson, a reader at the School of Modern Languages, Literatures and Cultures at the Royal Holloway University of London, talks about the future of Europe. Um, I, I actually, I would say the future in Europe is really uncertain because of what's happening in Britain at the moment with the referendum. So on the 23rd of June, British people are voting whether to stay in Europe or, or leave Europe. And um, I, I personally hope we, we stay in. But I think the future kind of for us depends on that. Um, yeah, and then after that, there are kind of questions of um, financial security in the Eurozone, which is, there, there are worries about that. There's, 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 lo- there's lots of austerity um, in Europe at the moment, lots of unemployment, and then the immigration crisis is is making people think really differently about borders and nationalities and who should live where, I think. I'd say that Europe is becoming more multicultural, that there are less distinctions between different nationalities, that countries are, are losing their distinctiveness um, which is a good thing um, there's, there's many more kind of outside forces outs, you know um, people from outside Europe coming into Europe which, which is changing the nature of it making it more more diverse more kind of yeah more, more interesting I think. I think my, my main problem um, is, is that um, not everyone who lives in Europe can vote in Europe um, well, first, I think that the first thing is that people don't necessarily take the European elections very seriously. They see them as a way of um, protesting against against their own governments. So they don't think of them in terms of of changing Europe, but they think of them in cha- in terms of sending a message to their co- their own countries. Um, so they they don't really have a um, a generalizing effect that people know about. But also, a lot of people who who live in Europe now can't vote because they're they're they don't have a European nationality. They're not, not, they're not a Europe, part of one of the European countries. Similarly, there are lots and lots of European people in Britain who can't vote in the referendum because they're not, they're, you have to be British to vote in the referendum on Europe. So I think more needs to be done, not, not in terms of, of having more frequent elections, but just kind of getting people more engaged and kind of making people understand why it's important to vote and to vote for what you would like to see as the, the, the government in Europe, not as, a, as a, a kind of local message to your, to your own country or your own region? That's a really tricky question. I mean, <laughs> um, I suppose giving people confidence in the system by being, being transparent you know, give it, making making access easy to information about how, what about what the the, the European government does, what what happens in Brussels, what happens in Strasbourg, um, how how the big kind of pan-European parties work. You know, I think I think there's a kind of a lot of 
um, there's a, there are lots of myths around the fact that, that there's so much bureaucracy in Europe and it's a really difficult system to understand. And we're not, so for example, our children um, at school are not educated, at least certainly not in Britain, are not educated about how the European Parliament works. They learn about British Parliament. So the European Parliament is kind of a mythical, quite terrifying thing that's, that's you know, not, that, that, that they're not engaged with. But if, if they could see what it does, if, if there were if there were visits, if we if people got a chance to, to, to go there or meet people or or if there was there was a film or a documentary about you know the day to day running of the of, of the parliament and how it actually does affect people's lives, you know, if we could have some evidence about how a particular European initiative has has changed what people what people do or how they how they live, then that would, I think, give some people much something much more concrete, which then they could then that hopefully then they would then respond to that by voting. I would, I would imagine a Europe which is much, which which where um, wealth and opportunities are much more fairly distributed. So at the moment there are still countries uh, like Germany, France, Britain. Who have all the all the money, all the power? It seems to me, and that might be a myth. That might, that might be part of of my kind of misunderstanding, but certainly the way it's presented in the media, there are lots of countries kind of on the edge, around the the the, the, the margins and on the edges of Europe, who are really um, who are not benefiting from the opportunities, and who 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 are. are, are you know, are struggling financially, economically, socially. Um, so, surely, if it's a if it's if it's a set of states that are um, integral to each other, everything should be much more fairly spread. I suppose there's two there's two things. There's there's um, there's a kind of celebrate celebrating the the opportunities that Europe gives its citizens. For to to kind of travel to have new experiences to to to, to kind of mobility aspect, um, and then the other thing is is I'm just thinking about maybe trying to get different kinds of people to be part of the representative process. So at the moment there the, there is a kind of you know we see politicians as quite distant, as quite um, self serving, perhaps quite selfish um you know well paid maybe perhaps too well paid so um and from a cert from quite an elite class like highly educated have already had a lot of opportunities maybe if if the the people representing the european citizens were more diverse and had more of a could you know you, you could kind of have more of a connection with them as people that might be a way of Shifting the, um, the 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 focus. And I'm just thinking about words like proximity, relevance. Those are the things because it just all seems really distant sometimes. I think that's a good. I mean, I think I think Europe doesn't really see itself as a as a, as a, a country or a continent that has a has a responsibility towards the world more more widely. Um, it it's more everyone is in their country kind of um, fighting for resources and and it, it seems quite an antagonistic kind of 
relationship. So I guess that means that Europe then doesn't therefore look, doesn't look outside its own borders. So it doesn't kind of think about how it might, how it, its resources might be distributed. So for example, in Africa, um, even though, you know, most African countries have some kind of colonial collection with Europe um, in terms of language, money, you know, population, migration. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the pop, I think it's all, it's all really inward looking at the moment and um, resistant to, to, um, to people coming to, to out, people from outside Europe kind of invading, if you like. I can see why it's a reaction. I can see why you would respond that way to austerity, but economic challenges. But it's not, it's not helpful for the, for the for, for the world. It just it, it separates people off and shuts shuts down communication. I suppose. Um, well, you see, I think that's the problem. We don't we we don't have. It, it doesn't feel to me like like citizens have any direct any direct um, relationship with policy. We never. I don't remember ever being asked to to make a decision about a policy happening in Europe. When we vote for our European members of parliament, we vote for they, they belong to a political party, and a political party is a party which is a British party with a representative in Europe. So we we know them as members of a British party, and so we elect them on their. On their on their politics, in relation to what we know, which is British politics. So, when when they when they're elected, they become part of a a, a bigger pan-European grouping, which may or may not actually reflect, you know, which may or may not completely share the values that they have as 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 members of the of the British Party. So there's there's, there's already a, a kind of dilution of of choice. I mean, the only the only time I've, I I will. You know, so far I've ever been asked to make a decision on anything to do with Europe is the referendum, which is kind of the opposite of of, of a discussion about Europe because it's it's about should we should we opt out of this whole European thing altogether? You know, whereas it would be much more interesting if citizens of Europe had a much more direct role to play in discussions about healthcare, about taxes, about. Um, you know, social social issues, but I, I there seems seems to me there are just too many levels of of kind of um, bureaucracy to get through before you get to that to that kind of place. So I don't know whether having some kind of people's parliament or a kind of more kind of more discussion about European policy in in schools or in universities or kind of just in having more regular votes maybe I don't know I mean I can't even remember how often we vote in European elections is it like every four years every five years it doesn't seem very often to me um, and it does seem very removed from 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 what we do instead of instead of having European parliament as separate from every every country's home parliament have it as part of the of the parliament of each country so in the structure of the british parliamentary system you'd have um you know a group of people who meet 
in Britain who are the British Euro representatives who, who then feed, feed views from Britain into Europe in a much more direct way, like in a kind of a, a funneled way. Um, but these would be people who were known, well-known politicians or well-known figures rather than what tends to happen is that it's being a, a Europe, an, an MEP, a, a European politician is, is, is hierarchically perceived as less valuable or less important than being, say, you know, a secretary of state or a, or a minister. Um, so there isn't the same kind of prestige attached to it, which means that people don't know who these people are. So any kind of way of refiguring kind of home politics so that there's a much more recognized place for people going to, to Brussels or, or, or that, that the, you know, I don't know, people, you had ministers who did, who did kind of both at the same time who were, were, were in Britain and were, were in the British Parliament and in the European Parliament rather than having two separate people doing, doing really different jobs. And I don't know, I mean, but I can't, I can't imagine how we'd have to re basically break down all the... Because the, the, the thing is that every country's got a different political system. So every, every country in Europe is, is kind of working with two separate systems. So if, if Europe was going to really become the, the, the most important political system for, for each country, you'd have to get rid of their home systems, if you see what I mean, and, and just have the, have the European system as governing everything. I just can't. I just can't see how that would happen. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say that um, that the that the more the more small units or small entities that are thinking about just themselves, the more kind of tense and fragmented the world will be, and that actually we're all people. Um, wanting broadly the same things as in um, the planet to survive, people to be treated with dignity and respect and everyone to have enough money and kind of, you know, the, the means of gaining money. Um, and so instead of kind of getting obsessed with the little details which make all our countries different, we should be thinking much more about the the bigger picture, I suppose, the, the, the things that, that make us similar to each other, that kind of link us. It sounds, I don't know, it sounds kind of like great, like really ideal, and not, but then, then it's kind of simplistic and idealistic as well because you always get pulled back to the, the, the just the differences that people have, the, you know, we want this and we've worked for this and uh, this is the history of our country. So there's, a, there's like, a, you know, there's a real tension between the, the kind of tradition and history and heritage and then the kind of, we've got to this point where we need to just throw all that away and think and look forward because otherwise we're just going to, you know, destroy ourselves or destroy each other. I don't think so. Apart, I just think it's that, you know, we're at a really kind of crucial moment there's, because there's a lot of tension in Europe and then there's a lot of tension on Europe from outside. And... um. It seems like, yeah, the, there's, this is the this is the moment to 
to, to, to make it to make things change to start thinking much in a much more kind of a, a much bigger way about the, about the future I suppose because I don't see how we can kind of go on as as, as we are so, yeah listening to the EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Centre for the Study of Europe at Boston University, funded by a Getting to Know Europe grant from the European Commission delegation in Washington, D.C.